Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that's sometimes another show entirely. I'm Alex. <laughs> we witches three gather once again in the weird, weird dark woods. Dark woods, okay. Mm. And here we are about to talk about the the baddest boy of all, Nick Scratch, because we got a bad boy alert. <laughs> I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Riverdale Season 6, Episode 19, Chapter 114, Witches of Riverdale. Big episode here, bringing back (laughs) Sabrina Spellman for real this time. Not in Rivervale, not in an alternate universe. This is the regular universe, Sabrina. We get some big answers about what went on at the end of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. So... This episode is full chaos, and I mean that in two ways. The regular way of normal chaos of Riverdale, and the second way where it's Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, the acronym, because this was fully a coda to that Netflix series. Am I, think, I right? Uh, I think uh, Cheryl said it best. This is cuckoo bananas, but I'm kind of feeling it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. There are so many lines from I'm not just Cheryl, but from Cheryl this episode that drove me positively up the wall. I don't know if that's yeah. saying, uh, but all of that. And yeah. every, you know, look- when you, uh, you run up the wall for kicks, just like, yeah. Hey, I'm going to hang out up there Whee! at the top of the wall. And Lily Reinhardt, the entire episode being like, what now? What's <laughs> <Yeah>. happening? <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I like it, just to talk about that for one second when she's like wasn't allowed to go into the afterworld yeah. and she was like, yeah, I guess I'm the harlot. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Can I go back to being almost murdered? <laughs> oh, my God. So much going on in this episode. But before we get to that, as briefly as possible, I'm going to try to recap two entire TV shows right Good here. Luck. Good luck. Yeah, this we'll is going to be fun. This is next yes. level. level I, Alex I actually think relatively speaking there's not no that's not true there's so much you need to know so last <laughs> yeah. episode half of the cast died thanks to some biblical plagues called down by Percival Pickens this season's villain who has some magic powers mm-hmm. everybody else has superpowers that they've been developing but the folks that died are Archie Andrews Fangs Fogarty Tony Topaz Jughead Jones who it turns out did not die of burger related injuries but actually died of a slag or the first told you yeah, told you. Yeah, you really called that one that was easy to call, I think. Well, you had to fight you two on it. You guys were like, that was a burger death. And <laughs> I was, was like, a okay. Burger death. Yeah. No. Whatever it was. A worm burger that a ghost made for him. Mm-hmm. Well, he yeah, ate a burger and then he went to heaven and ate more burgers. So lots to unpack there, I think. Yeah. But Cheeseburger in paradise. Yes. Ooh, real buffet head. As we found out earlier on in the season, thanks to an alternate universe called River Vale, the, when you go to heaven, you go to the sweet Pops chocolate shop in the sky, except we got a big twist on it this episode, thanks to Sabrina Spellman. Now, if you didn't watch Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, spoilers here, but the gist of what you need to know is in the last episode of Sabrina, 
Sabrina. Sabrina sacrificed herself to save the entire world. And then in a last minute twist, when she was at a place called The Sweet Hereafter, which was a nice art gallery that she was just kind of hanging out in, her boyfriend Nick Scratch showed up and said, hey, guess what? I killed myself, threw myself in the Sea of Sorrows so we can be together in the afterlife forever. As we find out this episode, that's not exactly what happened. There's a little bit of a retcon going on here that we'll get into, uh, as well as exactly how Nick Scratch shows up, because it's absolutely wild. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Nick had in the house. But... Other things that you probably need to know, Cheryl's powers are pyrokinesis, but she is developing those alongside her witch powers as she has been dating Heather, her old crush from school, who moved over to Greendale, which is how Sabrina comes over because they are friends. They also brought in Sabrina because she is a necromancer now, thanks to her experiences with death. What? Sup witches. Oh, sup witches. Yeah, there we go. Uh, And what else do you need to know? Veronica has been kind of bummed because she's been alone. Last episode at Tony and Fang's wedding, she asked Tabitha, who has the ability to travel to the future, who is Endgame, Barchi or Varchi? And we get an answer here with a wild twist that, again, we will get into. Yeah, thanks. The wild twist that Pete just spoiled, but there you go. (laughs) But there's more to talk about there. It's all up for grabs. Nah, I think it's over. I think we're good on it. Yeah, we're good. Nothing to take away from that conversation, I think. Um, Meanwhile, Betty and Archie have been dating and getting closer. Uh, Tony and Fangs are married and taking care of baby Anthony, who did not die in the slaying of the firstborn, which we get to in this episode. And yeah, I think we'll talk about a lot more as we get into it. But like we said, Biznonkers episode, absolutely crazy. So many huge swings that went on there. We yeah. haven't even touched on the recap. We'll get to it when we talk about the actual episode, about what goes on with Jason and Polly, which is like one of the wildest things the show has ever done. But it Truly, like, especially when you spend so much time on the show being like, oh God, Jason being dead is a formative moment in my life. And so much so that I hang out with a doll that maybe just has his soul in it. Polly dying. Devastating to Betty. A whole season-long tragedy. Now they just casually strut in with no, no yeah. hey, we're back. hey, maybe we're pregnant with triplets from heaven. Maybe. Yeah. And Heather's just like, who I roll. It's like, what? This is here. This is a massive bit of crazy with the implication that the devil or death itself is going to come for Cheryl. Coming for, yeah, Yeah. Cheryl. So, so much went on in this episode. I know we normally have talked through plot lines, but everything is this plot line. So I figured, why don't we walk through this bit by bit, see how much we can get through. Maybe we'll have time for the end. I don't know. But uh, we start off with this great scene where Jughead is narrating and there's a twist. They have a funeral specifically for Nana Blossom. Didn't mention she died. She was killed very specifically hands-on by Percival in the last episode. Um, But they have a funeral for Nana and everybody else. Which is, uh, it's a hard way to go. Well, no, she didn't die. No, of the she didn't wheelchair. die there. She, she died. Of like, the, this is nothing. This is a daily occurrence for Nana Rose. <laughs> she died of the red stuff coming out of her body. Yeah, that's what happened. The plague Remember, of the firstborn. Yeah, there was a red cloud that came out of her body, and uh, that's how she died. But I feel I thought she was just smoking that strong weed. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> that no, no, no. Red the same thing happened weed. to my grandmother when she passed away. A red cloud came out of her mouth, wow. and we we're like, "Oh, she's in the sweet hereafter now." Yeah, it's really nice. Thanks. All Zalbans go to heaven. They so, yeah, Jughead says your humble narrator also dead. So here's something not to jump too much ahead here, but 
uh, I know I've been on this train for episodes now. Right in this first scene, I think it was established this was a good episode for Shoney fans. Like, I know a lot of people were kind of upset about this. Hold yeah. on. We start off La- with this Cheryl is- being like, my, t- my Nana and my Titi. And then yeah. later on, she's like, obviously, I'm going to go for Tony. And then there's that whole scene where Fags is, once again, entirely off the rails. And Tony and Cheryl are basically like, they look up at him and they're like, yeah, back to our conversation. Let's keep talking about stuff. So groundwork is laid. Groundwork is laid. Well, two things on that. Yes, you're yeah. right. I think it, there was some nods to Shonen here, but there were uh, equal connections between Heather and Cheryl here. A, B, you were like, let's walk through the episode from the beginning. I'm petering out here. Yeah. Petering yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, petering speak, out. It's called it's, petering out. No, no, that's not a real saying. Um, I, I just wanted to say why we're jumping around. The Dr. Curdle just sandwich eating moment was just worth it. That's actually <laughs> the opposite of jumping around because that's the next scene, Pete. <laughs> yeah, finally, Pete gets um, narrative order. Let me throw out uh, while we're talking here, Jughead doing the narration, talking about he himself being dead. Doesn't that mean this Jughead is the Rivervale Jughead who's doing the narration? Probably, potentially. I mean, it looks like we're going to get more on that this episode. And it was a very funny moment at the end when Jughead's like, oh, I can hear and I can hear thoughts. Oh, you know what? Just remember this weird little detail. There was another me in the bunker. Yeah. So, so it's interesting. That, that makes me think. So if Rivervale Jughead is the Jughead, does that mean that the whole series has been narrated by Rivervale Jughead just this season? Or that Rivervale Jughead is going to replace Riverdale Jughead because Riverdale Jughead is about to sacrifice himself at the end of the season per Tabitha's prediction. And finally, does that give light to the fully in dark Bughead supporters out there? I think one thing you're sleeping on is the uh, Nick Scratch of it all. He uh, does not uh, go down easy. And, you know, we don't know if. Jughead officially switched back to being Jughead, or Nick Scratch is still playing Jughead at this point. Yes, I Jughead think is officially Jughead. Jughead. Options out there. Well, here's two. the thing. I was about to say, while I, let's walk through it in order. We got through two scenes, fine. But uh, this is three, not our fault. This is the show's fault. Yeah, <laughs> right. I blame the show. There are already three Jugheads. There's the Jughead who's in the bunker typing out everything that's happening in Rivervale, which I think right. you're right, is probably the guy who's narrating this and maybe writing this season at the very least, which is why we have superpowers and weirdness and everything. Um, we have Riverdale Jughead, the one who's going to be investigating this the next episode. But we also have the narrator Jughead who replaced regular Jughead in Rivervale, who's wandering around, who is dating Tabitha over there. So... When it comes to Jughead dying, I do think we're going to have Jughead die, and it is going to be one of those Jugheads, and then we will continue to have Jughead on the show going into season seven, but which Jughead is an open question. Wait, think, there's a witch Jughead? Because that would oh, be cool, yeah. too. That's Nick Scratch. That's Nickhead. Nickhead is <laughs> hey, witch Jughead. There it is. Yes. But I Nick mean, Scratch let me be honest. Dead. I want yeah. Nickhead the most out of all of these. Oh, do we... Again, while we're jumping around, do we want to just talk about the Sabrina plot line in this episode, the Sabrina Nick plot line? Uh, Because I, it sounds like you were all in, Justin. I had mixed emotions about this. 
Oh, I'm well. For, let to, to recap it quickly. Like in the Sabrina and uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, there was a lot of back and forth about um, who Sabrina's true love was. It yeah. ends up being the bad boy, which was, I think, a surprise for all of us um, at the beginning well, you of the series. It from the beginning. Well, I, I know a bad boy when I see one, and I know that we we love a bad boy for life. Bad boys for life. Uh, and they. I think this like sort of postscript moment when they have their scene together, which has truly nothing to do with anything going on in Riverdale. It was just a total like uh, nod to the fans of chaos, which I love that. And it was really intense and sweet and romantic. And, and then he sacrifices himself yet again in a much more personal way. I thought it, I loved it. I thought it was great. What, what restaurant were they at? They were at. So I got this wrong before somebody corrected me on Twitter, and I'm forgetting who. But it's Cucino Sacasa after Roberto Aguirre oh, Sacasa. Right. Yeah. I thought it was Cucina Su Casa, like Cucina of the, ha- the Kitchen of the House, which doesn't make sense. But it's a uh, Cucina Sacasa, which makes a little more sense. So there it makes you go. more sense, but works both ways, sort of. Exactly. So I, in essence, like the scene, but I definitely had a hard time getting past. That is Cole Sprouse as Nick Scratch versus Gavin Leatherwood as Nick Scratch. I don't think there's the same level of chemistry there, which makes sense. They seem to be friends, but they haven't been working together for years. And Gavin Leatherwood, he's the original bad boy. Uh, that's true, but I, I'll wait, take wait, it wait, because... Wait a second. You had a hard time getting over the fact that she wasn't with Nick Scratch. You felt like she was with Jughead the whole yeah, time? Yeah, I don't know why I had a problem with an entirely different actor no, playing no. the Once same character. No, no, you saw the ring on the finger and the uh, sup ladies, I was like, oh, Nick Scratch is here. I well, didn't shout see Jughead out, at all. Shout out to one of my other favorite moments in the episode when that happened and Betty's like, that's not Jughead. I was like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It is not Jughead because this guy's got game. Uh, It was very fun. fun. I had fun watching it. Cole Sprouse was very fun of the role, but I think like that level of heat that Gavin Leatherwood and Kiernan Shipka brought to it wasn't necessarily there, even though I think the writing was there, the acting was there and everything. So I'm glad we Uh, got it also because the ending of chaos was sudden. And I think we were all kind of a little huh about what happened right in that last scene there. So it was important to have that postscript and I'm glad we have that postscript. And I think they also like, they left it open for future appearances and other I mean, ways of yeah. working the bit. First off, I wanted like the Sabrina entrance was cool, but I was a little disappointed that Cheryl was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get in here already. Like didn't give another uh, badass actor, like a sweet, cool entrance. It was, but, I agree with you. It was a little underplayed, but I yeah. think they were like, well, we did a huge entrance for her in Rivervale. So we yeah. can't do that again. I wanted it. I wanted it. Also, like it was weird for me that Sabrina was like willing to like she was here to kind of save the day, but she was willing to be like, Nick, let's just run away and fuck this whole town. Like I, I mean that yes. to me was one hundred percent Sabrina. Like the entire yep, time up until the Nick Scratch thing, I was like, oh, this is a more mature Sabrina a couple of years down the road who's learned some lessons. And then her being like, ah well, I tried to bring Jughead back for two minutes. What if? Boring. <laughs> let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. But I, that's why I think like when she's like, okay Plan A, B, C. I don't even know what plan we're on. None of this is working. All right, we'll just do another weird thing. Let's burn them up, bring them back. <laughs> I don't do know. The old, you know, one in doubt, Phoenix, they get it up. That she's was, an improvisational yeah. witch, and I feel like she's taken some classes. Yeah, Pete? totally. Yeah. She was, yes, I dig the hell out of that. Little yeah, she hell. was. She was. Did anybody else want, like, Cheryl to kind of have, like, a, a black uh, pants with the red top to really harness, like, the Phoenix thing kind of? 
Mm-hmm. She was wearing about. a big, long, like, Jean Grey-style coat, so yeah, I was okay yeah, with it. Yeah, It was cool. She put that on out of her outfit. Uh, we did get the Blue Phoenix as well, which was interesting. That was a nice riff on your classic Red Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, it was very cool. Uh, what else? Let's jump back to it. So uh, we, after the Dr. Crudel scene, Alice gives a quick report. <laughs> on that it's yeah. gag warfare and Betty clearly told her what was going on so she was able to report on it what is going on with Alice this season is is Major Abic even on this show at this point I mean I, I gotta think they're gonna have more of going on for her in season seven yeah, but I just think be, get Frank be, out of this kind of like bad guy mm-hmm. scenario so then we can kind of get Alice back you know what I mean no I think Frank and Alice, Frank being as evil as he's been this season, I don't think he can be, come back from that and just date Alice. I think what we got an F Palace. We got I an mean, F Palace situation next season. <laughs> is what I'm saying. Oh, you think FP is coming back for the final season? Yeah, I, I don't know for the final season, but that's where she ends up. Yeah, motorcycle I pickup. I disagree with you on we can't back up uh, Frank because we've backed up Alice so many times. Like she has gone off the rails and be like, "Well, no yeah. redemption for Alice." Oh, she's back. Okay, here we go. But that's her thing. I think Frank. Yeah. Frank also has been truly evil. Like the the turnaround in that episode, like four episodes back, where he mm-hmm. they thought they pulled him out and then he he turned on them. I was like, "Whew!" That was one of the best villain twists, heel turns that I've seen in a long it's, time. That was super rough. But I think at the end of the season, we're going to get Frank be like. Like, well, I was mind wiped. Let's get back to construction. Well, the problem for me is like, okay, Frank's evil, fine. But seeing Sheriff Keller be horrible is just heartbreaking all the time. That does hurt a lot. I do want to stick with Alice for a second, because given what happens at the end of this episode, what is Alice going to do when she sees Polly is alive? What's anybody going to do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, when that I don't know. They're rolling with drops. so much stuff at this point. Like, Archie, I've, in the last scene with Betty, was like, well, I guess I came back from heaven. Maybe we should have a family or something. Yo, I think dying made Archie horny. I think that's the, that, it's the ultimate turn on for him. The, the transition in that scene are like, yeah, man, I was in the afterlife, died. We were having a family. And they were like, let's bone down right now. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Okay, gang. <laughs> <laughs> uh, every time a bell rings, Archie gets a bone. You know what I'm talking about? Yep, that's right. This yeah. it's a wonderful. I, I Archie. felt like that last kiss wasn't that good. It, it seemed like the chemistry. No, was very get out of here, dude. There was yeah, a very good kiss, not... but there's more to talk about there because of what it immediately transitions into, as well as the music going in the background and everything. Uh, but we get that Alice report that we find out Sabrina is a multitasking witch. We also get this ticking clock. They have three days to resurrect everybody, which also ties into the Polly and Jason thing that we're talking about later. Um, We then get to something we could probably also talk about this separately. Percival doesn't know about baby Anthony. And by the end of the episode, we find out from Tabitha that baby Anthony is immortal. Uh, What did you think about that? And what did you think about big baby Anthony? Well, first off, (laughs) the actor they got from big baby Anthony, I thought it was adorable. uh, And I was super happy. Very cute. Yeah, I thought super happy for the love story, and it was really cool to see Fangs and uh, Tony be so happy. That was a nice moment. Um, the but, um, just to say, the actor like that was wild casting. Shout out to the casting department on that because I've obviously like not been into the Tony and Fangs relationship, but that looked like it could have been Tony and Fangs's kid growing up. Yeah. Truly, like, great cat. When I saw him, I was like, oh, is that like one of their relatives who they right. brought in to play this role? Because he did look just like them. 
um, I thought that storyline was was cool. It was sort of weird because Fangs and Tony and the Sweet Hereafter were just like, yay, hooray! All that they were super positive. <laughs> we didn't get a lot of like development well, heaven, there. You know, it's going to be super positive, man. They were the the deal that they made with um, the Ghoulies and all that. Like it was. I uh, I wow. have so many questions about how heaven works in this scenario because it seems like. Time is just kind of moving forward down to, like I mentioned earlier, Polly and Jason having triplets. Not sure what's going on there. Uh, Betty and Archie clearly have kids. Tony and Fags, like you said, side of the ghoulies thing. They'd be like, well, we have peace, and now our son's going to get married and all this stuff. So, like, do you live through an entire lifetime in heaven and then restart or go to super heaven or what well, is it's, uh You oh, can, like, super fast heaven is the best to any part, you know what I mean, that you want to live in. And then you can just sit in it for a little while and then you're like, all right, let's fast forward till the kid's old enough to get married. OK, OK, now we're here. Well, and also, are are they in separate heavens, or is it all connected? And Jughead is it like classic Archie, but then you walk down the street and you can visit Betty and Archie, and then Betty dies, and does she end up in that afterlife? Separate, and be like, well, there's separate, a second Betty no, there. Separate heavens, man. Yeah, Here's my take: their own little it's, heaven. It's separate heavens, except unless your heaven is with that partner. So, for instance. I think it's played in this episode that Tony and Fangs are in the same heaven. Right. And I think, I don't think you live your whole life. I think you go to your happiest moment and live it over, you live it continuously from there. Okay. Right. Like Jughead's happiest moment was eating a burger, dot, dot, dot. And being a comic book, a big deal comic book diner based artist. I have to know what's going on with Madhouse Glads. That is my yeah. like number one question. Literally, it, the the term Madhouse Glads was said more. I was like, are they still <laughs> saying? Is he still saying Madhouse Glads? It's he said it like nine times in an yeah. episode full of words. That was a lot, like a solid percentage of them. And what is that? What does that mean? Like, I kept being like, okay, what is the cop for this in regular Archie comics? It, like, it sounds like something that I guess could happen back in the day in comics, but there's no, yeah. like, it's not, I guess, there was there Archie's Madhouse? Was that a thing? Maybe that's the thing that they're riffing off of. But whatever it was, him constantly, it, it seemed like it was two guys who play music and they get into musical adventures. And I think they were like David and Steve or something like that. I, I don't know. I, I had, when you look weird. it up at, at uh, Madhouse Glads, it connects to the Madhouse Glassing Company's Instagram. So, uh, and that's not a person I would trust to glass my house mm -hmm. if they're from the Madhouse. Yes. Uh, that was wild, but I definitely want to read that comic book. Uh, jumping back into it. So we talked about large baby Anthony. Do we talk about him being immortal yet? How do we feel about that? No, twist? well, what stinks is, you know, it's a baby, you know, so it can't really help fight pee-pee. I guess you could throw your baby at him or something, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And uh, maybe kind of like hope he can hold the knife or some ways he's flying through the air because it just stinks that they have this great weapon <laughs> that they can't really use in this big fight, you know? Yeah, I guess you it wouldn't be gonna... a problem to give him a knife uh, because he's immortal, so then you could give him the knife and then he can fly through the air. So, yes. You good. think they're going to throw the baby at him? Well, I'm just saying if you have an immortal something that can't die, you know, it's too bad this thing can't fight in a big fight that we got coming up. I think we're going to get end up seeing big baby Anthony coming back um, for the final battle so that he can be a warrior. I mean, I not hope just we get baby. more big baby Anthony because that dude <laughs> is fantastic. Uh, real quick follow up on Madhouse Glads. It was a comic book from 1970 to 74 in the Archieverse because oh, okay. Archie's Madhouse was uh, – 
was part of that was the longer okay. running version. And this was it like seemed a like a basically. nod to something because they kept bringing it up. Right. Kind of yeah, looking at the camera being like, huh? Good, good for him. Good it? for Jughead getting that job. He really seems to have uh, upped his art style as well for the last time we saw it. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it couldn't get worse. <laughs> it couldn't become a worse comic book artist. Yeah. I, I just wanted to mention while we're talking about the immortal thing, though, actually two quick things. One, I saw a couple of fans being like, finally... Now that baby Anthony is immortal, Tony can leave fangs because she doesn't meet him anymore. And like, they still need to take care of the baby. Like they can't. It's immortal. Tony, you don't have to take care of an immortal baby. You still need die. to feed and clothe the baby and wipe it's his immortal. butt and things. So having two people to do that is going to be better. So I don't think that's going, I don't think Tony's going to be like, oh, my baby can't die. See you fangs. I don't think that's wipe my immortal butt mom <laughs> is what uh, baby Anthony's going to say. And the other thing I thought the way that they rolled out the information in that last scene was super weird. The order of it, like baby Anthony being immortal is a way bigger thing in my mind than Tabitha being the guardian angel of Riverdale. Did you guys well, feel she's that way giving well? the news? So she's going to save the thing for her. For last. Yeah, but I feel like Tony and Fags, if you kept going with that scene, it would be like, can we get back to the part about uh, baby Anthony being immortal? Like, that's great for you. I'm very excited, but we would love yeah. to talk more about that and what that means. I mean, the fact that she's admitting she's a guardian angel is a big thing. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you're going to go and be like, hey, I'm a guardian angel. By the way, your baby's immortal. I don't know yeah. if that. You know is she going to get the bike? Is she going to be hanging out with other guardian angels? Like, what's going on there? Well, and what does it mean? You, you can be alive? Is she an angel then in general? How does I don't know how that works. That was the an interesting sort of move for me. Yeah. Well, I, see, I, pops can go back in time, uh, you know, and, and it's a pops super can? important thing. The pops diner. And so you pops need diner. an angel that can also roll with the diner throughout time. You know what I mean? Uh, Tabitha can go through time. The diner is a ghost train. You got that way wrong. Yeah. Wait, wait, Pete, are you saying every diner has a, a guardian angel in, in America? Like if you go to any diner, there's someone who's like, if it's I've a been here. Diner that, uh, you know, is there through all of time. Yes, you need that. Are all diners know. a little bit tra- traveling through time because they're Isn't still that serving? What Guy Fieri said at the beginning of every episode, he's like, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives, the show where we travel around the country and look for God. Uh, yeah, a lot of times Guy Fieri's in like the ancient past. I'm here having Bronto burgers, and you gotta believe me, they are out of sight. Well, let's see. We made it through about four minutes of the episode. <laughs> Back to it. Uh, why don't we talk about the Kevin storyline because that comes up next. So, Kevin thinks he's been kept alive, even though he's firstborn, so that Percival can punish him, and he decides to run off to New York to be with Kevin's Moose. never going to make it to New York. It's oh so, He keeps being like, I'm going to go to New York. I'm like, yeah, Kev, come on, you can do it, bro. Mm-hmm. Nope. No. He's cursed by, by Riverdale. Yeah. But, he can't leave. I did love the scene where Percival is trying to mind push him or whatever we're calling it. And yeah. Kevin remembers all his Torture. best Staying moments strong, with his friends. Man. Yes. It's like just beautiful. Like that got me in, yeah. in the heart a little bit. Yeah. I agree. That was a great moment. And finally, like we've been asking for all season and series, it feels like Kevin is rising. I think Kevin is going to be a Dude, critical. Don't get your hopes up, bro. Just I think he's going to be a critical turning point in this final battle that we're approaching. 
Yeah, and he does end up teaming up with Reggie, and they get captured along with Reggie's dad. So we could probably talk about Reggie's storyline here, uh, which also goes off the rails in a totally different way. As he gets the casino from Percival, he takes his dad back to the casino, despite the fact that his dad is dying. Uh, his dad keeps having, like, I think, minor heart attacks. <laughs> yeah, episode. <laughs> like just tiny casual heart attacks. He's like, nah, I'm good. I'll keep going. <laughs> oh, my so, God. That was so stressful. And then that he's like, here, eat this lobster and steak, which is already surf and turf is too much of a meal. Like, I'm not on board <laughs> with the surf and You're turf. You're more of a surf or turf guy, right? Exactly. Too much of a meal. It's too much. Oh Choose one. God. No way. Uh, have no, both. Ch- chase decadence, Alex. Have all. Yeah. Exactly. Surf, it's not, turf, it's throw two the air. Types of decadent. Throw Listen, air in there. As someone who gets, is from Rochester, New York, home of the garbage plate, there is mm-hmm. no such thing as too much. Do they Let have me a say, surf and turf scale, garbage plate? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Justin. I was going to say, on the scale of what food is, garbage plate and surf and turf are on opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> just so we're clear. To use those in the same sentence. Ask. It depends on who you ask. Uh, in any case, by the end of the episode, though, Reggie has had a conversation with his own ventriloquist dummy, which has convinced him to leave town, uh, even though he gets captured. That was the scene that I think broke me. In the really? Well, because I, it's clear that this this show has a creepy doll quota, okay? And that <laughs> every couple, you know, you've got to get a creepy doll in there. And, uh, you know, impressive that they keep the creepy doll bit going. Because uh, whoever's making creepy dolls on the show should get all the awards. In an episode of pure, wild insanity, they're like, well, let's do this Reggie story that's going to be more heartfelt about him trying Mm -hmm. to deal with his dad. And they're like, oh, but he's going to talk to a doll. (laughs) He's going to have a full on conversation with a doll without any explanation. It's like, oh, that's the doll he normally talks to. Or (laughs) the doll has a soul of the other Reggie that he met in whatever. Like, no, it's just like he talks to the doll. And then we're out of there. Changes well, him for the better. Also, and that that was the thing that broke me about it. And like, also the conversation, the line, "You don't understand, bro." When he yeah. leans in and talks to the doll, I laughed out loud. And that the doll's solution was like, "What did you always do on a bath test? <laughs> Never <laughs> take yeah. the test. Don't take the test." That's and also very bad advice from a doll. Though it's fine. <laughs> don't, dolls don't know <laughs> shit. The dolls don't. They don't have jobs. They, they don't, don't even drink re- real tea. Dolls. Dolls don't do anything. They pretend they're bad at stuff, especially tests. It turns out. Oh, my gosh. But I just want to say in this moment when we're talking about the peak Riverdale, this we talked when Riverdale, Rivervale was airing. We were like, this is fun. What if this was just the show? And then they did it. I think they did it. And maybe that was bad advice, but I'm loving it. I'm loving it. But you're, you're having a great time. You're not like, oh, my God, this is way too much at once. No, I'm eating it up like surf, turf, throw an egg, <laughs> bird in there. It's, this is a perfect oh, meal. Bird Pour a gravy on it. Yeah, the, the oh, air. You God. got surf, turf, throw the, the flurf. The, give me a bird. <laughs> I, I know I've been talking about this incessantly all season, but I think I, I'll go back to whatever the episode is where Abigail pretended to be a ghoulie and threw Molotov cocktails at Archie. Yeah. Like that episode worked for me. This episode works for me. And it works for me when it's like not trying to play it straight for Riverdale, but like when it goes entirely off the rails, that's what this episode did. And I love it. 
Alex, you use the term off the rails. Where are the rails? <laughs> yeah, there are exactly. no rails. I, I You're acting like the show is normally on rails. It's no, there's no rails. The train's there's gone. No rail the, it's a ghost rails. It's a ghost it's train. Normally, ghost rails. It's normally an upside down loop to loop where they have several jumps in the roller coaster. But this is like free form roller coaster. This is go. like, what if we took a roller coaster and just let it run through the park? And that's yeah. what I like. In any case, uh, yeah, so the Reggie thing, the other little dangling plot line that we get here that is interesting Veronica's is... going to be so pissed when she finally realizes her casino is gone. She has a lot of other stuff going on. Yeah, uh, she's We'll get busy. to it in a moment. But the Daggers of Megetta, I guess, maybe I'm mispronouncing that, uh, The that gets introduced at the end of the episode. Reggie has it at the end of the episode. The demonstration that Reggie gives was just... Yeah, I kind of feel like... I kind of feel like what we're getting teed up here is either Reggie or Kevin are going to attack Percival, maybe save everybody and die to redeem themselves. But I think more likely Mr. Mantle is going to do it. Yeah, he's going to oh, do it. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. I was going to say that's a potential good spot for Kevin to be the warrior. But Mr. Mantle is is earmarked to die at some point very soon. Mm-hmm. So. Um, well, that I think well, that's what we're going to get is we're going to get a redemption moment for Reggie and Kevin. We're already headed in that direction. But Mr. Mantle, who, don't forget, was an abuser and is still an abuser, even though he is dying. That is going to be his moment of being like, I wronged you. I'm going to save you, Reggie. And he's going to step up there. I don't know if he'll fun- be the person to take down Percival finally, but I think he's going to be part of it. Yeah, I bet it'll be part of it, or maybe in a penultimate episode, he'll do something that gets them a chance in the final mm-hmm. battle or something like that. Yeah. Because um, I do think what we're headed for here is a little bit of um, Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe Infinity War. Like, there's only one universe in which this succeeds, and we're about to see it. Yeah. Huh, interesting. Let's... I want more uh, shots of Reggie standing in front of the painting of himself. Oh, that was yes, very funny I, as well. I also love that. There was also, I don't think we saw it in the episode, but the episode was co-written by Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa and Chrissy Maroon a long time later, and she posted some behind-the-scene pics on Instagram, and they also made a painting of the Blossom family, Jason, Polly, Dagwood, and Juniper. Very delightful. I love those paintings in the background. Keep them coming. They're so much fun. Uh, Why don't we talk through, I feel like we can kind of pair this up, even though there's a bunch of stuff in the middle, but let's talk about everybody's sweet hereafter, as well as kind of how it ends up, you know? Like, so to start with, we get Archie's sweet hereafter is him married to Betty with little Fred, little Polly, Vegas is alive. They're all happy together. Uh, of note, Fred and Polly are played by the same actors who play little Betty and Archie yeah, back. In the day. It was nice to yeah. see them back. It was nice to see them back. And it but was a little not- weird that yeah. Archie's version of heaven is he and Archie, he and Betty have two kids and they're them. Yeah. I mean, not that surprising. You thought that <laughs> that seems to be literally what the thing is. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's fair. Uh, but then by the end of the episode, uh, okay, so to talk about this overall, Veronica comes. She's forced into a position where she has to talk to Archie and try to get him out of heaven. Yeah, I goes, mean, let's talk about that to, hug when she first walks in. That was a special hug. That was really That magical. was a special hug. They have a conversation. He wants to stay there. But right before he's ripped out of heaven, he has listened to Veronica. He has his yeah. army uniform on and is she ready said to go war, and leave. And that's kind of like a trigger for him. He was getting ready for it. But also, if you notice that when Archie and Veronica were on the couch and Betty came in, they both got up on the couch like they were doing something wrong. 
So you know where the feelings really are there. Mm-hmm. Well, this is that's, what I wanted to get into. I mean, like, not to get into ship war too, stuff too much, but like the episode does. I think I'm curious to read into what these conversations in heaven, what they lead to, what they lead to afterwards, uh, but also tying in the fact that Cheryl ripped everybody out of heaven. So we also have the possibility that, like uh, Sabrina lays out before she leaves, people can come back wrong. There can be a malignancy that grows in them. And I think there's little indications throughout of where we're going with that. So yeah, but Justin, what happens in heaven stays in heaven. Once you no, get back No, it definitely here, doesn't. It, it definitely does not. The opposite of that. Except for the fact that uh, the dog... Um, uh, Vegas is in heaven is the only part of that that relates. Vegas, baby. Um, <laughs> did Vegas get to come back or no? Nope. That's didn't, nobody didn't say Vegas. The only person that wasn't resurrected is the, the beloved dog. Um, I think, uh, I mean, first off, I love the twist of having Veronica have to go back for Archie. I thought that was just like great, oh, really well done. Yeah. Betty's reaction to it. Very yeah. funny. Very much. Here we go again. I'm too old yeah. for this shit. Pure yeah. Betty. Like I said earlier, um, and while I do the, throwing the sort of the twist in here that um, from Tabitha that half of the scenarios have Betty, uh, Betty and Archie together, the other have uh, Veronica and Archie. I think that's a cool thing to have out there, but I don't feel like the show is telling us that that's at all a possibility. The Veronica I'm sorry, Archie what? scene, the Veronica Archie scene in the Sweet Hereafter, they said was, Endgame, and then they said it was up for grabs. So I don't know what the f you're talking about. I agree that was a line in the show, but a couple scenes before that, Betty and Archie are like, let's make a baby right now. And like, so there, there's no crack in their relationship yeah, that you, the show Archie is telling us about. Archie gets distracted so easily, he could be like, what's that noise over there? Oh, it's Veronica. I completely forgot about my plans. What's that Veronica noise over there? That yeah. endgame noise? Yeah. Um, and I think the only thing that is, like Veronica just has no other relationship going. And the show is saying like, this is a major thing for her and it's been her whole thing. So I don't think we're going to know. And if it comes true that we get a different Jughead, uh, our main Jughead dies and another Jughead comes back, I think that does give a chance for Bughead to be the the final, the endgame relationship. I just think that something has to happen to split Barchi mm-hmm. up if that's going to go that way. Yeah, I mean, I took it, well, if we're jumping directly to this 50%, 50% scenario, like, I don't think, ignore that. They literally said that out loud. But I do think that was more a meta indication to viewers of the show. Uh, obviously, like, yeah. it's going to do something to Veronica. We can, I'll talk about that in a second. But it's an indication to viewers of the show that, like, we're heading into the final season. Anything is fair game. We, yeah. I don't know where they are in the process, but I can almost guarantee you they have not written the finale of uh, Riverdale yet. So but Roberto told anything. us that he had yeah. an ending in mind. Yeah, like he when did. We interviewed him. A lot yes. of times so. when you kind of start something, you kind of do an ending to kind of work to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Regardless, my point being that like. Varchi uh, 50%, Varchi 50%. Also, they could change their mind about that. Like, the, we've watched Riverdale for enough seasons that it could be uh, Veronica and Betty together. It could be Archie and Jughead together. Like, it could go in literally any direction in the final season. Yeah. And that's the main thing that I took away from it. I don't think they're going to stick to there is literally a 50% chance of this one thing happening, 50% chance of this other thing happening. But. The little asterisk. So you're saying maybe, there's a chance is all I, I need to hear. Say that. Yeah. The thing maybe you're going to jump in, Justin, we've speculated a lot on the podcast that maybe they're going to head to Life with Archie, the storyline yeah, written by Michael Uslin, where we get to see both of those scenarios. 
I think that's going to be a multi-episode. That's exactly what I was going to say, Alex. It's going to be a multi-episode arc in season seven, where we get to see Archie with Betty and Archie with Veronica in separate stories, separate episodes, and that will um, lead into the final endgame move. But and I think that's just, what this was specifically setting up with the 50-50, because that's how it plays out in the comic. Yes. Uh, but just to talk specifically about like this episode and where we're going this season, I do think what's going to be interesting is what that does to Veronica, because she seems like nothing but supportive of Betty and Archie's relationship at this point. So I don't think she hears that and is just like, hell yeah, I'm going to get my man. But if there is an opportunity, maybe it will come up. Maybe things will be pushed in that direction. I do agree with you, Justin, that everything that we're being told by the show currently is that Betty and Archie are in it to win it. That's exactly what's going on. There's no cracks in the relationships. However, the little asterisk there, I do wonder who came back wrong. We've already seen earlier in the season, in the fifth episode, there's that evil Archie, the one who is killing everybody from Rivervale. So what if the Archie they brought back is not our Archie, but okay, the other wait, wait, Archie? You, you rolled past something. I just wanted to say some real quick. The last episode ended with Tabitha being like, well, there could be some good news for you, Veronica. We got the news in this episode. You think Veronica's going to be like, oh, thanks. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm definitely not going to I don't think. I no, no, no. But I don't think Veronica's the sort of character at this point. That's like, uh, no, I don't. Veronica is not the sort of character right now who's going to be like, ha ha, I'm going to break up that relationship with my two maybe friends. Maybe not. On purpose, but if something happens and then maybe she's there for Archie or, you know, I, I'm just saying there's they, ways of playing they did it, it twice. Well, totally. You can't set something up twice. And Anything then is not- open. Anything is open. I, I agree with you. Anything is open. But as usual with Riverdale, you got to judge it episode by episode. This episode, Barchi is strong. Next episode, I don't know. And but- that's why I disagree. I don't think it's as strong as you think it is. I okay. Uh, we we got to move on because we're going to go in circles here. I think around this thing. Uh, in terms of, I think there's a possibility that Archie came back wrong. I think there's something like that's a twist they potentially Jughead could throw came out back there. changed. He can hear now. Well, let's talk about Jughead because I think a, little, a couple of people were upset. Not a couple of people. A lot of people were upset that Jughead was like, eh, "I'll stay here with these burgers instead of Tabitha." Personally, I didn't take it that way. I thought he was like, no, I'm happy here. She will come here. I will be happy here. And I do think that relationship was strong. And I don't think Jughead came back wrong. What about you guys? I think I agree with you. Go ahead, Pete. I I just think it's one of those things where it's hard to convince somebody, you know, by a total stranger that like, hey, leave heaven. You know what I mean? Like you're Mm -hmm. finally like living your best life. And somebody's like. Yeah, but you could go back to a crappier version of this. You know, it's kind of like, nah, I'll just chill here. And then, you know, eventually get to see everybody I love. I I can kind of understand that a little bit. It just, uh, you know, from the show's perspective, it's like we want them to come back and be able to be there for the final battle. So I'm glad they kind of set it up as like, yeah, heaven's pretty sweet. People aren't going to be super excited about leaving heaven. Yeah, I think he says is this is an ideal version of Riverdale, the thing that he's been after yeah. from the jump. He's like, this town has a darkness in it. And he finds a version of it that doesn't have that where he can do what he now realizes he wants, which is make comics. Like, it makes sense. I don't think if it's a comment on his relationship with Tabitha because everyone ends up doing, making the same choice. I mean, if you think about 
just the simple fact of like if you go to a place and it's unlimited of your favorite food and you don't like gain weight or anything that alone is worth <laughs> giving up everything wow. for you know so if I, mean? I could just pick your suite here after real quick it's just garbage stacks of garbage plates and you're yeah. sitting in a comic book shop oh man thanks for adding that last part for me it's a restaurant this. that says sorry we don't serve surf and turf <laughs> you want a negative? Yeah, you want to be like, oh, like, sorry. Yeah, sir. we have a couple of other things. No surf and turf. And I'm like, thanks, bro. Thanks, wow. bro. I don't know. I want that surf, turf, and flurf all day, yes. all let's, night. Let's talk about Tony and Fang's afterlife, though. We touched on this a little bit with the conversation with Cheryl um, and some other plot lines with baby Anthony. My take on it, and I know this is my very specific take, but like, Fangs was going wild this episode. Like his accusations to Cheryl of you, you were always jealous of Tony choosing me instead of you. A lot of this stuff was hard to interpret also because Fangs has been swinging so wildly all season, but it almost felt like his version of heaven is the version where he won. And Cheryl was like, that's not what I'm doing at all. Like, this is not the real world. This is your version of events well, that I don't mean, have it, any relationship to what we've seen on screen. In Fangs' defense, if you're living in a heaven and then Cheryl shows up to be like, and of course, Cheryl's like, hey, this is the only time I'm not being chaotic. You're going to be like, okay, Cheryl, whatevs. I'm finally in heaven living my best life and you're here to wreck it. So I can understand Fangs being like, yo, fuck all that. Don't try to convince uh, Alex. He's in his Shoney zone right now, so mm-hmm. he has to say that. He I'm has to Shoney, shit on Fangs. It's, I'm in my Shoney zone please. Uh, use I me. mean, I'm yeah. hoping Shoney, Shoney happens Zony. too, but I'm not <laughs> hey. mad at Fangs, you know, for being angry. Uh, I'm still hoping that uh, Shoney's going to happen. Well, and I think, again, this is my Shoney lenses, but I do think the fact that Tony was like, thought about it, realized, looked into it, and realized that Cheryl was right – I do think there's something to be said there in terms of the relationship. However, that shot of Tabitha coming in and Tony and Fags both looking at her simultaneously was very weird and definitely made my alarm bells go off in terms of maybe something is wrong with them as well. Wait, wait, wait. So your problem is somebody came in the room and both people turned and looked at the same time, and that's weird. He's weird. It's very funny, Pete, you're calling him out because it's the same shit you do with Bughead. But um, yes, I think you're both looking too hard into these things. But I do think Shoney is going to be a thing. I just don't think it's going to happen this season. Yeah, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. But this season, baby Anthony has to be. So you're saying all our dreams will be answered next season. We just got to I think they'll be spoken to. I don't think they're going to be answered for all of us and Pete specifically. (laughs) But I do think baby Anthony is a huge part of this season. And I don't think you can do that with Tony and Fang's. All I'm saying is you've had your uh, Betty and Archie fun, but in the last season, we're going to get back to what we had. How many seasons of Bughead? Get out of here with that. We'll see. Uh, Lots more stuff to talk about, though. Let's uh, start calling out some specific moments. Anything in particular that jumped out to you guys from the episode? Oh, anything that jumped out at this episode? Yeah, we've mentioned a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Can the whole episode jump out like a ghost, (laughs) (laughs) like a werewolf? Like a ghost, werewolf, vampire, and mummy at the same time. I did I liked love how the, step three uh, was dance. That yes. was fun. I was about to call that out. 
I love that moment. It was so good. It was so like eerie, but also fun and cool. And I like that they insert these moments of joy in a show where it's like everyone's dead all the time and we have to like deal with it. Well, and also I think that was a callback to the twist from the first season of Sabrina. I think it was at the Halloween party they did that dance. So that was a fun little Easter egg there too. Um, What do you think it means that Betty is the harlot of Babylon? They've talked about this a lot. I can't figure out how that's going to play into anything going forward. Well, the only thing I thought of, because it was more of a thing last episode, right, is it felt like it was tying Trashbag Killer into Percival in a way. And if they bring those plot lines together, I'm just I don't know how that matches up, but it does seem like that was the indication with it and why they're Mm -hmm. keeping it going for the, the grand finale. Yeah, I have no idea what the fuck they're doing with that. I just kind of think that, like, maybe Babylon was a nightclub and Betty got kicked out one time and she's not allowed back in. Wow, interesting take. Yeah, uh, uh, I want to call out the moment yeah. it, where we revisit the suite hereafter and they're all, like, burning up. I thought that was a cool way to sort of call back what's happening but also show that, like, they're about to be resurrected in a cool way. Um, so yeah, I like that. I was surprised everybody came back and was cool with it. I thought more people would be kind of, like, upset about you know having to well i think we'll see how it plays out like let's get into the big thing that happens which is cheryl goes rogue and brings jason yes uh caron the brings jason and polly back which is huge and wild and i don't even know what to do with that um how do you think this is going to play out Uh, i have a theory but i'm curious to hear if you guys got to the same place um I think this is going to be a problem. This is going to be a big problem quickly. And I think this may result in the Heather-Cheryl relationship having some hard time. Yes. Uh, I, I, oh, go ahead, Pete. I, I'm hoping it either means that they're all going to be banished to creepy dolls or banished to the walls. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Jason and Polly are just living the walls with their kids and new triplets. Yep. That'd be Absolutely. hard. It's hard to raise a family in a wall. You wall? can visit the wall, but it's, it's hard tough. to like. It's tough. But you, you can't. Can do it. Are they going to enroll in like a wall schooling program? The yeah. ultimate homeschool is school <laughs> in the wall. I here. Here's my theory here. So Jason and Polly come back. They're clearly like this has never happened before. I'm, kind of, I'm very excited for the actors. I think it's going to be wild to see how they operate yeah. as a family. You love hearing Jason talk. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. He didn't did, say a word this episode, say, which I thought was good. And they good. even gave him an opportunity. What do you think, Jason? Nothing. Yeah. Great, though. That's going to be wild and weird. But I do think, and I don't know how they're going to balance this, given our theory that they're going to do life with Archie. I kind of think this is going to lead into afterlife with Archie, which afterlife with Archie... Uh, For those who aren't familiar, Sabrina helps Jughead resurrect Hot Dog, which leads to the zombie apocalypse in Riverdale. I think we're getting a riff on that here, where Cheryl uh, resurrected Jason and Polly. I think they're very quickly going to go wrong, and potentially that is going to lead to like zombie apocalypse afterlife with Archie in the next season. You think that's going to kick off next season? Because I will say, doing that as a Riverdale-style five-episode event is awesome. Yeah. And then we can finish that up and go back to like, that's very cool. And they, you're right. The, the materials are all there. Sabrina being a part of it. She can come back at the end I, of the that's event what and I want. fix I want it. Sabrina to come back because we got Nick scratch. I want the, you know, the other guy to get a shot here. Uh, but uh, I Harvey, you're talking yeah. about Harvey. No, yeah. he's that, but he's not a part of this. That's yeah. the real, that's the real love interest. Uh, but it was fun to see Sabrina being in the old, uh, old school kind of like archie fied world when she went to go visit Jughead. That was hysterical. 
That was that, cool. A uh, couple of lines I wanted to call out. I think we touched on some of them before, but uh, Cheryl's line, I'll go for TT, obviously, and Fangs, I suppose, the delivery on that, very fun. Also, I think we mentioned this one, but Veronica saying, sure, yeah, kill me temporarily so I can visit my ex-boyfriend in heaven. Why not? Hilarious. Very fun. I like uh, the uh, Cheryl being like, oh, I'm so excited. Who can say they've died and come back? And then they're like, in Riverdale? Everyone. <laughs> yeah. Also very fun. I want to say, do you have your own broom or do you want to ride with me? Oh, uh, yeah. Very cool. That was fun. Betty's reaction there also was great. So many good very reaction fun. shots of Betty of this episode. Uh, disruptive women have the potential to be witches. All powerful disruptive women have the potential to be witches. Is very cool. Yeah. I love the moment where Reggie, his his dad and Kevin are escaping, and Reggie jump kicks a table randomly <laughs> to try to get out. I was like, wow, <laughs> nice little action moment for our Reg guy. What? We, oh, there was one other line uh, when Cheryl said, "Well, I'll do it in the mines." Then I don't know. There was something about her delivery on that line that was great. Just all of her stuff across the board was so so fun in this episode. Uh, before we wrap up here, though, why don't we talk about MVP? Who is MVP of the episode, Pete? Wow, this is a really uh, tough one, but I was so excited to see Sabrina and the Zep. You got to give it to Sabrina showing up and hopefully uh, saving the day. Well, and let me say on, on that, to the point you were just making about um, Afterlife with Archie, I think it's fair to say Sabrina's a member of the cast of this show now. I think she can mm-hmm. come back at any point. And that makes Afterlife with Archie very, very possible for what we're saying. And I love that as a season seven prediction. Um, But I will say for my pick, I'm going to go with um, the official bad boy alert. Nick Scratch me in the bag. I love to see it. I love to see it. Uh, he was uh, as harsh on Team Harvey, harsh, but like Cole Sprouse did a really good job as Nick Scratch. But I'm gonna give it up to Cheryl. I thought this was such a great Cheryl episode, so much fun, such crazy lines. Madeline Patch, so many good deliveries on so many yeah, different things. She had a great, I mean, everyone is just firing on all cylinders in this show right now, so it's always hard to pick. Uh, but it's I do want to say it's very funny, back. Pete. Uh, very fu- I was well, in Rome last episode. So something none of us predicted. It's very funny, Pete, that you're calling out the Harvey-Sabrina relationship and you're such a bughead guy. You're picking all these doomed relationships when we all know where the power is, and that's with uh, Nick Scratch and Barchi for life. Later, good night. <laughs> wow. wow. Strong ending there. Strong words he's there. Not even, he's, he's just I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm yeah. in the walls. I can, the see walls. The, <laughs> I can see the psychopomps coming for you already, Justin. If you would like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Riverdale Dark on Twitter, Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you after dark. Oh, bad boy. <laughs>